Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another wonderful and exciting episode of the Anthology of Horror. I am your host and narrator, Springheel Jack, and as always, I'd like to take this time to thank you for tuning in to another episode. Your support, your reviews, and your patronage mean the world to me, and I genuinely appreciate it. If you're easily offended, and this is your first time listening, I would encourage you to find a different show to listen to and spare me the negative reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to podcasts. With no more further ado, let's jump into today's episode. This first story is called The Man with a quote-unquote stick. This happened probably five or six years ago. I think I was 18 at the time. For starters, I lived in a city where neighborhoods and forests kind of blend together. There are plenty of wooded areas where people go to have bonfires and parties. One night, after discovering that all of our usual spots were crowded with people, I suggested we go to a spot that I had been to a few times that was nearby. I had been there multiple times, but only during the day. The street where we parked is maybe 200 feet from the tree line. It's your average, middle-class neighborhood. Nothing crazy is really known to happen there. So we walk in, we start a bonfire, and we're all having a good time. Some of us are drinking and smoking a bit, myself included. About 45 minutes pass and I'm a little intoxicated, but nothing too serious. And over the sound of our quiet music and my friends talking, I hear something odd. I can't make out what it is, so I figure maybe I'm just hearing things. Maybe another 10 minutes go by, and I hear it again. A little better this time. It still sounds relatively far away, but it sounds like Velcro tearing, I guess. I stop and just kind of sit there trying to listen while my friends carry on laughing and bullshitting. They haven't seemed to notice. And that's when I heard a sound that I was very familiar with. It was a zapping noise like you hear from a cattle prod. Very brief, but unmistakable. My stomach drops, and I started looking around a little frantically. My girlfriend at the time was the first to notice my distress. She asks me what's wrong, and I explain, and she immediately starts to worry. She gets my friends to quiet down, and we all just sit there and listen for a bit. Then we all hear it. An electric zap. Brief again, but we all know the sound. Now we all start panicking a bit, and we quickly put out the fire while asking each other what the fuck that was, or where exactly it came from. We're all scared to walk out. It's only maybe a five-minute walk to the street, but it's dark outside, and we're all chickens. We all muster the courage eventually to finally walk the path out and we don't run into anybody. We finally get to the street and start walking to our cars, nervously laughing and relishing being under the street lamps again. I see him first. He walks towards us, not at us. Just walking in the direction we came from. Slightly to the right of us, he's holding a stick of some sort. It scared me at first, but for a brief second I calmed myself. It was a pretty safe neighborhood that I knew really well, and it was really common to see people out walking at night. But then I noticed he's looking right at us. That stare is burned into my mind. We pass each other. My friends and I are all silent as we're having this stare down with some random guy. And that's when it happened. He doesn't break eye contact. He holds up the pole, smiles this creepy fucking smile, with his eyes super wide. The end of the stick lights up bright and that same zapping sound happens again. Only much louder this time. He was indeed holding a fucking cattle prod. We live in a city. There's no farmland nearby and there's no reason to have a cattle prod. My friends and I are silently shitting ourselves as he walks past us, maybe 20 feet away, and goes straight into the woods without a flashlight or anything. We all got to our cars and peeled out of there and we never went back to that spot. Wow. Scary. Tell you what it was, it was a homeowner, and he was tired of listening to you guys fucking screaming laughter and blaring Lil John songs in the woods in the middle of the night. That's what it was. Guy lives across the street, just wanted some fucking quiet. I don't blame him. Our next story is called Unsettling Not Knowing Who He Was. I, 29-year-old female, grew up in a nice suburban neighborhood. I lived in the same house my entire childhood and only left once when I moved out as an adult. I always felt safe, leaving our doors unlocked, windows open, going for late night walks as a teen. 
I was around 17 when I noticed strange things started happening around the house. My house was also haunted, so weird noises and things moving on their own were not a new thing. This is probably why I and my family dismissed my experiences for so long. As a teen, I worked at a movie theater and did not work until the afternoon, and I would get off very late. I turned into quite the night owl, and it was normal for me to stay awake until about 3 in the morning. It started off as my dog reacting to things outside. I would peek outside my window and I would never see anything, so I assumed my dog was just hearing noises and overreacting. Not too long after this started, I was outside and I noticed that there were handprints and a mark between them on the windows as if somebody was pressing their forehead against the glass. At the time, I just dismissed it. I had plenty of friends coming in and out of my house, and they would knock on my window sometimes as they arrived. My window was by the driveway as you walk up to the front door, so they would knock on it to get my attention. The weird thing is that the window was very large. The window would start about three feet from the ground, and it went at least eight feet high and was about four feet wide. The forehead and hand marks were at least six foot five high from the ground. I definitely did not have any friends who were that tall, and everyone in my family is less than five foot six. That's adorable. You guys live in the Shire. Soon after that, I woke up around five in the morning to my car alarm going off. Again, I did not think anything of it, and I dismissed the entire situation. This happened a few more times within the next weeks, always between four and five in the morning. But the last time I noticed handprints on the top of my car as if somebody was trying to crawl through my open sunroof. After that, I made sure to close all my windows and lock all my doors. Again, I dismissed it thinking that some hoodlums were trying to get into unopened, unlocked cars. If your car was unlocked, why would they crawl through the fucking sunroof? Not long after the car incident, things started to escalate. One morning, as I was leaving to school, I found a small stepladder outside of my window, leaning against the house, as if somebody was looking through my window while standing on it. I had blinds that would move from the top to the bottom. I normally had the blinds closed on the bottom and left about two feet open on top to allow the sunlight in, but still have my own privacy. When I looked at my window, I could see the handprints and forehead mark were placed right above the opening of my blinds. This means that they were able to use the stepladder to get a good look inside of my room. With the ladder against my window, I started to piece together the events of the last few months and realized that I was the victim of a peeping Tom. I don't like the term peeping Tom. It's too cute a name for something fucking criminal. Gotta think of a different term for that. Criminal voyeurism, perhaps, would be a better term. I brought this up to my parents, but they did not seem to worry and made no effort to do anything about it. Over the next year, I found the ladder against my window many more times. The person would use an old stepladder that we had in the side yard that was unlocked. I would continuously put the stepladder back in the side yard, but it would continue to show up next to my window on many mornings. I don't know why I did not just put the stepladder in a place that was not accessible from the outside. To be honest, I was a teen, smoking a lot of weed, so I feel as though I was not using my brain to the fullest extent of its critical thinking ability. I have two other sisters who lived with us, but they did not seem to notice anything weird happening. About a year after I noticed the occurrences, we found my sister's bra was out in the yard, and we didn't have an explanation. This made me think that somebody may be trying to actually get into the house when we were gone, and successfully. When I realized this, I became extremely paranoid. We would often hear male voices outside of our front doors, but it was common for us to hear disembodied voices due to the house haunting. Oh my god, you're dumb. My sisters and I were often home alone, and when unexplained voices happened, we would just go to our room, turn on Spongebob, and try our best to ignore it. Again, my parents were aware that all of this was happening, but they did not care to do anything about it. The last incident before we called the police was after a rainy night we found bare footprints outside of my sister's window in the mud. The screen had been fiddled with, as if somebody was trying to get it off the window. Once this happened, my parents started to take it a lot more seriously. It's funny because they did not care when the incidences were happening directly to me, but the moment my sister had this experience, they decided to report it. Uh, As always, the police couldn't do anything about it. They offered to send police every once in a while 
to fill out paperwork in front of our house to make it seem like there was some kind of a police presence, but this only happened one time and they never came back. Typical. My older sister made her boyfriend aware of the situation, so they decided to sit in the car all night long and watch to see if the pervert showed up. Every time he would try to pull an all-nighter to watch for the person, nobody would show up. Looking back now, it makes me think that somebody very close to my house must be the peeping Tom because he must have been close enough to see that we had another person watching the outside of the house for us. After a few years of these experiences, my sisters and I moved out and we haven't noticed anything weird since. It still bothers me, knowing that this person was never caught and that we still have no idea who it was. It makes me frustrated knowing that it could be the next door neighbor who we thought was normal but might actually be some sort of a pervert. This was all happening around 2010 to 2013 and was before we had easy, affordable access to security cameras such as Ring and Blink. I wish we had cameras so we could have known who this person was, but there's no point in dwelling on the past. All I know is that now that I'm an adult, I will always have security cameras around my house, especially if I have young daughters. I have also bought my parents some security cameras because they still live in that house. Maybe one day those cameras will catch the peeping Tom, but I don't think he'll come back now that my sisters and I are all moved out. Wow. Spooky. Alright, this next one is called, My Ex Has Harassed Me For Almost Two Years Kind Of Long. I, an 18-year-old female, met my ex, a 22-year-old male, in February of 2020 but didn't end up dating him till closer, closer until my 17th birthday because he still lived with his girlfriend. He had told me they were just friends and he didn't like her like that, and I didn't find out until later that they were actually still doing things together. And meeting him was the biggest mistake of my life. Everything started off great, as every relationship goes. I sent pics because he was my boyfriend, so you know, and of course... I let him save him for later use, which was another big mistake. I noticed that he and his ex-girlfriend were still texting, and when I went through his phone, he was saying he still loved her and missed her deeply. I was very hurt and called him out on it. He apologized and said it would never happen again, and I told him to text her that we were dating, and he did. She was pissed. She stopped paying for the house and helping him with his car payments, and at the time... He had quit Taco Bell and refused to do his new job Ubering because I need to practice League of Legends because I want to be a pro league streamer someday. Man, if you can't see the red flags in this, you're a fucking moron. So I worked my ass off and ended up losing my job because the manager didn't let me work without a doctor's note, so I was stuck working his job while he played his games. Before I met him, I had $4,000 in my savings account. He ended up using my card to pay his phone bills, his car payment, the apartment, his daily weed, his fast food, his new League of Legends account, and for fucking CSGO knives. He kept losing his accounts due to telling people to off themselves and using the F-word and the N-word. But the worst was yet to happen. I found that he was using an old tablet to excessively watch porn, set up dating accounts, and have different Instagram accounts but on these accounts he was pretending to be women. I called him out about this and told him I wanted to leave. He freaks out, jumping around and screaming and crying and saying that he would change, and I trusted him. Why? As time went on, things got worse and I was scared to leave, and by the end of this you will see why. He had shoved me into a wall and getting in my face, screaming, you stole my car key because you don't want me to work because you're jealous of other girls which was stupid because he had thrown his keys at me during a different argument and never found him. But one day I went through the iPad and found that he was actively not just sending, but selling my pictures from when I was 16 and 17 and doing the same with his other ex-girlfriends. I started to get my stuff together, and I put Gorilla Glue in the charging port to get rid of the filth that I had seen. When I found out that it no longer charged after he used my card to get us food, he was mad. He started screaming and getting in my face. I tried to go around and grab my things, but when my back was turned, he pulled me down to the ground, wrestled me until he was able to put a chokehold on me. I was sobbing and just accepted that this would be the end, but before I blacked out, he let me go and I started gasping for air and gagging from excessive coughing 
as he just stood there and laughed at me. I tried to crawl away from him when he grabbed my leg and started dragging me out of the apartment. I kicked to try to get him off me, which just made him pull me like a dog playing tug-of-war. He eventually dragged me out of keeping my wallet, keys, and all of my valuables, so I sat crying, begging for my stuff so I could just go home. He came outside and pulled me down the apartment stairs by my leg, and I was left with extreme bruising and some cuts. I did end up calling the police, and they did absolutely nothing, as they are known to do in circumstances like this. Fast forward. He had to move because he had nowhere to stay or live after getting evicted from the apartment, and I had gotten a new job. One day it was particularly cold and I went to get a shirt out of my car and there he was. He was sitting in my car on his phone. I left the door unlocked, usually because I worked in a good area. I called him a cheater and told him to leave. He got out of the car and was starting to go around to the back, so I jumped in and tried to lock the door from the back seat. He ran over and pulled the door open and started trying to pull me out of the car. I started screaming and kicking at him. Thankfully, a customer saw this happening and called the police. They arrested him and told me to go home for the night, which they ended up firing me for as well. Unfortunately, he got bailed out, and while he was in jail, he had given out my phone number to the other people there. He then walked four and a half hours to my house after he was released and was looking around my backyard when my neighbor saw him and called my dad. My dad got in his truck with his gun and waited for him to come out of the gas station. He eventually did, but ran off and wasn't shot. He had harassed me, saying that he was going to show up to my graduation and ruin everything, and has gotten to the point making multiple fake accounts on Snapchat, Instagram, and TikTok to print, pretending to be me and his other exes. And as of today, January 1st, 2023, he still pretends to be high school girls selling pictures while he makes other fake accounts. Wow, what a douchebag. I mean, domestic abuse is never funny, but no, no. Domestic abuse is never funny. I'm just going to leave it there. This next one is called Ballroom Dance Classes Led to Getting Stalked for... <laughs> Ballroom Dance Classes Led to Getting Staked for Eight Years. I apologize if I have some errors. English is not my first language, and this will be a long post. Sorry. For context, I am now 26, and I met my stalker when I was 14. So when I was 14, I decided to take ballroom dance classes. That was kind of normal for teenagers in my generation in my country. There, you had to change partners each song, so every girl would dance with every boy. In my group, that consisted of mostly teens between 14 to 17. There was a really tall, almost 2 meter high 21-year-old guy that was named Philip. We had a really nice chat the times that he danced, but he seemed weird. And because I was young and naive, and that's how I normally made friends, I told him where I live when he asked me. And so the stalking began. At that time, I did not realize that it was stalking. I just thought he had too much time on his hands, and it was annoying. Philip would ride on his bike from his home. He lived one town over, and he would ride to my house. Ask if I wanted to spend outside with him, slash, play. After doing that a few times, I asked my parents to tell him that I was not home when he would come over. Both my parents and I were very oblivious about his actions for a very long time. At one point, at one point in time, the stalking ended for a few weeks and Philip did not come to dance classes. At that time, I became part of a friend group of a boy that I fancied. For some months, he had a girlfriend, but they split soon after and I became his girlfriend. Unfortunately, Philip was also friends with the best friend of my boyfriend, so he was also part of the friend group. They told me Philip was in a psychiatric hospital. In the span of his stalking, Philip was in mental hospitals multiple times, and every time he was, I was glad because I finally had some peace and fucking quiet. When I turned 16, my family and I had to move because our landlady evicted us. She wanted to live on the property herself, so we move one town over and we started living two streets away from my stalker. And every time Philip was out of the hospital, he would be at my house. It wasn't as often as before, but it was still off-putting. At my father's birthday, he rang the doorbell, and because my family had guests, they told me to open the door, and there he was, looming over me like a dark, menacing shadow man. I told him to leave, and I tried to close the door, but he blocked it. So I was standing there, afraid, and begging him to leave. 
At one time, I even ran inside to get my dad to send him away, but my dad said, he's your friend, it's no problem. So I went back to the door, and I begged and pleaded that Philip please leave. At one point, he was kneeling slash sitting in the doorway. After almost two full hours, he finally left. And at that point, it was obvious for me, finally, I had realized what type of behavior it was, that he was a stalker, and he was indeed fixated on me. The next day, I sat my parents down and told them that I was afraid of Philip, and my dad also apologized to me for putting me in that situation and not helping me. The next time Philip came to my house, my dad was there, and he told him that I do not want any contact with him, so he left. After a few more incidents like this, he stopped showing up at my door, and I thought we had finally gotten rid of my stalker. But, every time I started to live happily and started to forget my fear of him, a letter or an email or a gift would show up and it would send me straight back into my fears. At 20, I was out of school, and to pass the year I had to wait to start my job. I worked in a grade school, in a voluntary after-school club for grade schoolers. After a month or two, my mom woke me up in the morning and told me to get dressed because she had called the cops. Apparently, Philip was again every morning at our door and asked for me, and my parents didn't tell me so I wouldn't be scared again. Finally, after the cops told Philip three times to leave and he ignored them, they arrested him, and he screamed and screamed my name and that he was burning for me and that the cops were hurting him. My parents and I were standing in the kitchen listening. The situation was so absurd and so much for me that I started laughing hysterically. We filed a report at the police for stalking and trespassing, but the officer said that they could not do anything because he hadn't hurt me physically. We tried to get a restraining order, but it didn't go through. Oh, the wheels of justice move slow when it comes to things like this. A week later, Philip had snuck into our garden, and like in a movie, he threw rocks at my window. Sidebar, throwing rocks at girls' windows is not romantic, it's fucking creepy. Stupid me opened the window but did not see anything until it clicked, and I ran downstairs and told my dad that my stalker was in the garden. When my dad went down to the garden, Philip had already scampered off. A week after that, I was in the kitchen cooking when Philip rang the doorbell again, and because we have no way of seeing who's on the other side of the door, I opened it, and there he was again, telling me that he missed me and saying that he had peeked through my blinds peeked through the blinds of the living room the past couple of weeks to see when I was there. My parents were not home. If they had been, I would have ran. But like this, I had to swallow my fear and stand in the doorway listening to Philip ramble and talk until my boyfriend finally showed up. I had to send him an SOS text message, and he said that he was on his way. After my boyfriend arrived, he told Philip to leave, and he finally did. Philip also mentioned in passing that he now has a girlfriend. I wonder if she knows that she's his girlfriend. After that, I did not see Philip again for a long time. A friend told me that he was taken by the men in the white coats because he had believed that his mom was possessed by the devil. I was glad he was gone. It wasn't until two years later when I got a letter from court. I was a witness, and I was told to attend a case where they were charging Philip of assault. Apparently, after coming out of the psychiatric hospital, he had a big fight with his girlfriend and hit her. And because she was scared and she played dead, Philip called an ambulance and the police finally had something to use against him. After the hearing, he was admitted once again to a psychiatric hospital and I finally got a restraining order and he was ordered to stay at least 30 meters away from our property. I was glad the restraining order also implied that if he broke any of the requirements, he would go straight back to jail. So it was over. Two years ago, I moved out of my parents' house. I am posting this only now because I believe I'm seeing him again, but it can't be. He doesn't know where I live, and he also hasn't shown up at my parents' house. But I still feel like I have seen him when I leave the house. I just need reassurance that it's not him again and that I'm safe in my new home. You're not. People like that don't stop. Creepy. That's actually kind of creepy. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to take this time to recommend a book written by a dear friend of mine named Sam Stoutman, a.k.a. The Scallywag Writer. He wrote a book called Pirates and Scallywags. It's a trilogy in the making, and he just released the second book. The Pirates and Scallywags trilogy follows the adventures of three pirate captains during the golden age of piracy. 
From plundering ships on the high seas to wild nights and legendary scallywag haunts, Captains Umberland, Montpelier, and Estevez live life to the fullest. However, both the English and Spanish navies are furiously searching for them, committed to bringing them to justice. And in the shadows, evil forces are growing in strength, threatening to destroy all the pirates. I would love for you guys to purchase this book on Amazon. It's called Pirates and Scallywags, and it is, once again, by Sam Stoutman. So if you could please go on Amazon and order yourself a copy, you won't be disappointed. It is a great book, and he's a great guy. So please reach out and support him if you can. This next story is called Late Night Visitors. This story happened to me back when I was still living at my parents' house. I was commuting to college at the time, and I had three siblings that also lived at home, my brother and two sisters. For some context, we lived on five acres in rural Ohio, surrounded on both sides by woods and farm fields. Additionally, during the week, my dad normally left for work at 2 a.m., so I had always felt like it was my job to be the man of the house because he was gone during the times when you would imagine something sketchy would happen. However, on this night, because it was the weekend, my dad was home. I woke up to the sound of my brother's voice trying to get my attention. We had separate rooms upstairs, and coming out of the rooms you could look down over the banister and see the front door. When I woke up, it took a few moments to get out of the haze of sleep and realize what was going on. I looked at the clock and it was around 2.30 a.m., and my brother told me that there were two men at our front door. Now this really woke me up. We quietly walked out of our rooms and peeked over to look at the front door. When we looked, there was no one at the door, but I noticed my parents off to the side out of view of the glass on the front door. I whispered down to my dad and he told me that there were two guys who had been talking to each other and knocking on the door. Hearing my dad say this freaked me out even more. I went back into my room and grabbed my handgun, quickly shuffling down the stairs after looking to make sure they weren't at the door. If they had been, they would have easily seen me coming down the stairs, as you can see it from the door. My brother is right behind me as we head over to where my parents were, whispering to try to find out what was going on. My parents had awoken to the sound of our dog barking and had come down to find these two men knocking loudly on the door. At this point, the men returned and began knocking again, despite the fact that nobody had come to the door and our dog was still actively barking. The fact that they were there at this time in a location where houses are spread out over hundreds of yards and knocking still while the dog was barking made the situation even more terrifying. After a couple of minutes, the men walked away, and we all shuffled across the kitchen into the family room to peek out the windows into our driveway, which is lit up by our outside light. There was a black Cadillac sitting there, but no one was inside from what we could see. Immediately, the question was, where did these guys go? They weren't in their car, and they were no longer at the front door. Unfortunately, we figured out the answer when the handles on our back French door started to jiggle. They were actively trying to enter the back of the house, which enters into our kitchen. At this point, I just remember my mom frantically saying, David, to my dad, as pure terror overwhelmed her. Then two things happened. Adrenaline filled my body as I prepared my handgun, horrified at the very real possibility that I might have to shoot these men. Secondly, my dad finally grabbed the phone, called the police, and calmly told them what was happening. Thankfully, after a minute or so of jiggling, they stopped at the back door and disappeared again, only to return to their knocking at the front. However, at this point, several minutes had gone by, and suddenly, we saw the local police fly up in multiple cruisers with their lights on. As they whipped into our driveway and the front yard, the two men started running away, attempting to run the long way around the house across the driveway. One of them disappeared out of our view, but the other one was intercepted by an officer yelling for him to get on the ground. He didn't, and he was immediately tased and fell onto the ground after that. Some of the officers went around the house after the other guy, and one of them came to talk to my dad. And as we came out the front, they ended up finding the other man hiding in my sister's little playhouse in the backyard. It appears that both of them were drunk and or high, as the one who hid had a copious amount of cocaine on him. While they were both arrested that night, we never did find out why or what they were charged with or what happened to them after that. Needless to say, the whole experience was not enjoyable, so random men at our door in the middle of the night 
Let's not meet again. I'm very excited about this next one because the title is so fucking dramatic I couldn't pass it by. It's titled, I am never exploring again. Now this is something I really want to talk about to be sure that everybody is cautious and stays level-headed at all times. Now for context, I live in the middle of nowhere in Canada. It was an old town that had quite a few abandoned buildings due to the absence of residents. Me and my friends were tired of the lack of entertainment options for us, so what we did was explore these abandoned buildings to kill time. Prior to the experience that I am about to talk about, we never had anything too crazy happen to us. Occasionally, we'd see a small bit of blood, a blood-like liquid, and we did see a pentagram on the ground from someone who went to the house previously, but nothing too bad. Until the last time I had gone exploring abandoned buildings. Now, when I was younger, I used to go to a daycare that was part of a mental hospital. Weird combination, I know, but it was closed down due to a lack of patients and a lack of children at the daycare. I decided to go back there with my friends a few years ago. For context, I was 15 when this happened, and most of my friends were around the same age. When we did get there, it was rather cliche. There was fog, it was dark, and there was a light drizzle of rain. We went to the main gate, which was padlocked shut. We decided to help each other hop over it and made a shitload of noise. We were laughing and giggling the whole time, unsuspecting of what was to come. We looked around the small play place slash park with flashlights that we had on our person. Even with our somewhat powerful flashlights, our visibility was rather limited. We decided to enter the daycare building. Glass and dirt crunched under our feet as we stepped into the daycare section of the complex. There were still old Legos and wood chips from previous furniture that was there old torn dolls and toys strewn about. The further we walked around the daycare section, we naturally became more and more silent, until all we could hear was the crunch of the dirt underneath our feet. I found some crayons in a plastic container in the corner of the room. I walked over to pick them up, when all of a sudden, we heard a loud crash coming from behind a metal door leading to the psych ward part of the building. My friends and I all looked at each other. As a whole, we were a group of five. Most of them were bold and cocky. We all looked at each other when my friend Brian suggested we go look and see where the sound came from. Personally, I was not fond of the idea, but with my group of friends, there was no way anybody was going to decline such an offer. We all stacked up on the door and we opened it. It was rusted to the floor and we heaved to get it open. As we walked in, the metallic smells and must became stronger. With a hint of something else, which I can't put my finger on at the moment. We walked in, our flashlights pointed in every direction, with Brian leading the group. The hallways were tight, and to the left and right were the occasional metal doorway, some with doors open. I felt slightly claustrophobic, and it felt a little hard to breathe. As we continued, Brian shone his flashlight into a room and recoiled. We all stopped walking as Brian slowly entered the room. What is it? I asked him. I thought I saw someone here. It seems all fine now. To be honest, I thought he was just messing with us to increase our anxiety, but looking back, I think he was being completely honest. He backed out of the room, and we continued walking deeper into the psych ward, when another friend swiftly told us to stop. We came to a halt, and we all listened. In the distance ahead of us, we heard the subtle pitter-patter of footsteps echo through the hallway. We all looked at each other, fear in all of our eyes. Brian continued walking towards the sounds. We continued turning back for a second without Brian, wondering if some ghost or something was in the building. But we couldn't do that to him. The closer we got, the more I felt like I was being watched, when finally we entered a room on the right, which had the smell of rotting meat. In front of us was a dead deer. Its innards were spilled all over the floor and staining the concrete. A friend of mine had a very weak stomach and vomited all over the floor. That's when we heard whispering from somewhere. Brian shone his flashlight to the corner of the room where a man with short hair was standing with his head down. He wore a bright green t-shirt stained with what I assume was blood and torn beige pants. He didn't have any socks and his feet seemed damaged. He was twitching sporadically and continued to mumble even after we saw him. We stared at him for a solid 30 seconds before he made his first true movement. He looked up at us with a haunting grin that sent shivers down our spines. You guys here for the feast? he said, each word with varying inflection and energy. This kicked us over the edge, and we bolted out of that room all the way back to the daycare center. 
The door was still open and we decided to try and slam it shut, but the rust and pure weight of the door almost kept it open. It took three of us pulling with all our strength to close it, and just before we did, I could still see the silhouette of the man watching us, his white teeth being the only other human feature I could see. As we sat behind the metal door catching our breath, for a second, all looking at each other for confirmation that we saw the same thing. After a little bit of labored breathing from each of us, we heard a light tapping on the door. That's when we decided that it was time to leave. We booked it out of the vicinity completely and ran home. A year after we visited that spot, police went back to do a routine search of the area and found the man. It was stated that this guy used to go to the psych ward before it was closed down. He escaped the facility he was transferred to and lived off the wildlife around the complex. When the cops brought him in, he had a series of diseases and sicknesses from eating raw meat. His mental condition was much worse than before. There were future rumors that he did kill somebody in the forest while searching for food, but nothing has been confirmed. In the end, guys, be careful, especially in dangerous areas such as abandoned buildings and creepy dude in the psych ward. Let's not ever meet. Oh, and they linked the place. Let's see uh, see where it is. It's called Lake Heed, Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital in Thunder Bay, Ontario, Canada. So if any of you locals are familiar with it, allegedly, it's creepy. Lakehead Psychiatric Hospital, permanently closed. Interesting. I love when they provide some sort of context. Alright, this next one is called, He Was Way Too Obsessive. Hello, you can call me Evie, and I wanted to tell you my story because it was absolutely terrifying at the time. It all started in the morning of February 14th, 2018. I was in middle school. Wait a minute. Middle school in 2018? Oh no. Alright, child, what do you have to say? And the campus was buzzing with life. Guys were running around with gifts for their girlfriends. Girlfriends gave gifts to their boyfriends. Friends exchanged candies. All in all, everything seemed normal. I wasn't popular per se, but I knew everyone and everybody knew me. But I preferred to hang around with a small group of close friends because being around too many people made me anxious. God, the youth today, I feel sorry for you. During lunch, I was hanging around my usual group of friends, which consisted of two girls, Alex, Mia, and three guys, Nico, Adrian, and Elijah. Valentine's Day, of all days, made me even more anxious because a lot of people would join our group because of my friend Adrian. He was very attractive to a lot of girls, and my friend Mia was such a sweetheart that a lot of guys wanted to date her. Jesus Christ, you're in middle school. You shouldn't be dating anybody. I began to feel overwhelmed, so I slipped out of my group and headed to my secret hiding place, which was just a bench that was out of the way and hidden by the field behind some trees. No one really went there, so it was a good place to catch my breath. As I was reading my book, I hear someone getting closer to me, and I look up and see this guy named Emmanuel. Wait a minute. The kids here are named Emmanuel, Elijah, hmm, I'm guessing strange religious school. That's my guess. When I saw Emmanuel, I instantly started to freak out because he always seemed to have some sort of an infatuation with me. Every day, he would force himself on me. What? randomly hugging me, trying to kiss me, telling me he liked me, and, believe it or not, I would often see him around my neighborhood, which he didn't live in. I decided to play it cool and continued reading when he suddenly just grabs my book out of my hands. Hey, what the heck, man, I yelled, and he simply responded with sorry, I just wanted your attention. I was still angry, but I tried to calm myself down. Well, what do you want, I said. I really like you, and I want you to be my girlfriend. I swear I'll treat you like a queen. After he said that, he handed me a box of chocolates and a cute stuffed bear. I thought it was a nice gesture, but I really felt uncomfortable whenever he was around, so I told him that even though it was sweet of him, I was already in a relationship, which wasn't true. When the words left my mouth, he turned from being nice and calm to angry. He yelled at me, saying how dare I date somebody that wasn't him. I tried to get up to leave, but he tightly grabbed my arm and forcefully kissed me. With tongue and all, it was gross AF. I tried pushing him off, and he was stronger than me, so I yelled for help at the top of my lungs, and he quickly covered my mouth, so I bit his hand and kicked him in the nutsack. While he was shocked, I broke free and ran to my friend group. He yelled behind me, saying how he would rape me and kill me. Whoa, that's not cool. Obviously, the duty guards heard this and immediately took action, and I just wanted to get to safety of the safety of my group, so I kept running until I bumped into Adrian. 
the rest of my group had separated in order to look for me when they noticed my absence. I hugged him and cried my eyes out. He only comforted me until I was ready to talk. I then told him everything, when I was suddenly called into the principal's office. They wanted to know everything that had happened and the police were called. It was a long day and I just wanted to go home. After I told them what had happened, I was allowed to leave for home early. I later found out that in his house there was a shrine built for me with pictures of me doing various things like walking my dog, eating in my living room with my family, even pictures of me changing. It was horrible and traumatizing. So, Emmanuel, let's never meet again. Wow, if that's actually true, which I don't think it is, that's, that's frightening, especially at, at the middle school age, man. I can't imagine that. I remember I had, a, I had a crush on a little girl when I was, shit, man, I was probably six, kindergarten. I was a little boy. Had the crush on, on this little girl in, in, at, my, at my school. And for Valentine's Day, I somehow sweet-talked my mom into buying a Barbie. And uh, now that I'm saying this out loud, it actually does sound kind of creepy, but we knew where she lived because I, my school was in a really small town. And uh, we wrapped the Barbie. I told my mom to leave the car running, which was pretty funny, considering uh, later shenanigans I got up to when I got older. All right, Mom, leave the car running. I'll be right back. My mom sat in the car. I ran to her door, rang the doorbell, and then just dead sprinted back into my car and never admitted that it was me. But back into my mom's car, rather. Surprised I haven't shown up on one of these let's never meet things about childhood trauma. <laughs> I that left a Barbie on my front door and never acknowledged me ever again. Let's not ever meet. Oh well. Here's another one with a reference. This one's called Off His Meds, You Tell Me. When I was younger and just got into online college. <laughs> you have to try to get into online college? I thought they were begging you. I thought they paid you to go to online college. Man. Credited by the Western Association of Non-Accredited Schools. I got my first apartment. I had three jobs, and one was third shift. But I was more than ready for independence. Or, wait a minute. You had three jobs and you were trying to go to college? Nah. Don't think so. While I had a great time there, I did have one problem. My new downstairs neighbor. So the other tenants are a bit older than I am. With one of them having lived there for 20 years. And old man. The other, an old woman, with a small kid that's probably been there for three or four years and an empty apartment downstairs. I keep to myself, so I never really spoke to any of them before until I noticed that there was a new move-in, a man that seemed close to my age, maybe a bit older, black, greasy hair, a little overweight. But, in my experience living there, people that rented, rented apartments there seemed nice and I was happy to possibly have someone to say hello to. That possibility turned sour really quick when a casual hello turned into that trash stinks remarks from him when I was taking out the trash and snide remarks under his breath when I had done nothing to him other than try to be nice. Even remarking on my sister's lack of a bra when she came to visit me. Naturally, I was grossed out and annoyed that he had to comment on anyone, especially my sister, and I told the landlord, and of course nothing came out of it. One day I was asleep and somebody came banging on my door. I had no idea who it was and my anxiety was beyond strong. God, again with the anxiety. Just deal with it silently like everybody else, man. What the fuck? You don't have to publish it. I'm alone and never expect a knock that wasn't planned. That's, fuck, if you don't expect anyone coming over and they knock, don't answer the goddamn door. It's a great way to avoid process servers and cops. Knocking on the door, none of your friends are in the neighborhood, fucking don't answer it. Easy. Induct process servers for almost a year that way. Fun facts from your fucking creepy uncle. It was the neighbor saying that I was being too loud and need to stop harassing him. I explained through a closed door that I was asleep and I wasn't making any noise. He left and stomped down the stairs while muttering and calling me a bitch. My heart felt like it was beating out of my chest. I went back to bed only to hear him coming back up the stairs and banging on my door again. When I addressed him again, he said that I was harassing him and that he's calling the cops because I'm making too much noise. I told him to ask the other neighbor because there's no way that I could possibly be making noise when he is on the other side of the building. He thanks me politely before stomping off and cursing me and calling me a bitch yet again. 
I tell the landlord right away that one of his tenants is acting hostile, and I don't feel comfortable or safe, and he tells me that he'll look into it. I hear nothing for a week. The landlord's not doing shit. If that motherfucker pays his rent, <laughs> he's not disrupting the balance. Rent gets paid on time? Mm-mm. Who cares? I mean, I would care, of course, because I would be a very caring landlord if I wanted to do that shitty fucking job, but... Anyway, it turned out it was the old neighbor hitting the floor with a stick like one of those classic cartoons because the rude neighbor was playing music too loud. I swear, he should have known that, as I'm on the other side. It was like he wanted an excuse to come speak to me. Probably did. You're a female living alone, and he sounds like a creepy guy living alone. The following months, it got worse. One day, I walked out in a snowsuit so that I could play in the snow because I'm a big kid at heart. He had to remark on my clothing being unnecessary, even when there's three feet of snow out. I forgot what I said in response, but it's something like, it's not his business, and he basically just said, fuck you, and called me a bitch again. I just walked off to go play in the snow. It gave me a little enjoyment because of the earlier interaction, so I went back home to get ready for work. The snowstorm got worse, and I had just came back from my night shift. I see him alone in the parking lot with the car, with the car and the windows up. I was on high alert as I carefully walked around and up the alley to my apartment. The second I close the door to go upstairs, I hear loud, wall-shaking music. It's him. He's blasting his car music at max volume, in a snowstorm at 3 a.m. I was surprised and confused because I couldn't understand his reasoning. He did it until 8 in the morning, and I later found out that it was to spite the old neighbor for telling him that his music is too loud. Soon it all started getting serious, cursing in the hallway and playing music louder. Interrupted with the police knocking at our doors asking about a noise disturbance. And now there was a mutual hatred amongst the neighbors at the asshole who kept us all awake. But that is not the worst part. I had just gotten back from another night shift, and it's 3am yet again. I'm dragging my tired ass over to the mailbox that are on the right side of the townhouse door. As I'm looking through the ads and letters, his door opens at the top of the stairs. My stomach tightens, hoping I don't have to interact with him but it drops when he starts speaking unintelligibly. At the top of the stairs, he's gurgling and mumbling something. What? I said, but he repeats the same weird sounds again, but only more aggressive. I felt like something was more than off, and I fucked off around and out the door headed back to my car. I thought I'd rather sleep in my car than possibly be attacked in the hallway. And as I'm having this thought, I hear the window above slam open. I freeze and then spin back around the edge of the corner. It's him, and he's looking for me out the window. I stand there for a moment, listening to him, and he's speaking gibberish and yelling. I thought to myself that it was my chance to sneak upstairs, pass his door, and go into my apartment. So I sped up the stairs, went past his door to the second flight of stairs, and right as I reach the top of the second flight of stairs, his door swings open with a big slam that makes me jump and I hear him muttering and speaking gibberish loudly while walking up the stairs. My heart feels like it's beating out of my ribcage as I am simultaneously walking and fishing my keys out of my bag, and like a classic horror movie, I kept fumbling the keys looking for the correct one in the dark hallway. As I hear him walking up the last couple steps, I'm mentally telling myself not to panic, and then I spot the correct key, slide it in the keyhole on the first go. And I swing the door open and practically launch myself inside before slamming it shut behind me. I pause and hold my breath and I hear him just five feet away from my door, muttering gibberish and calling me a bitch before walking back downstairs out of the building. I watched him through the crack in my window blind, pacing back and forth, muttering, cursing, and at one point screaming before walking off into the night. With a little bit of relief, I head to bed hoping he doesn't come back. The next day I get a text from the landlord. He says that the guy was arrested and won't be coming back. Seems that he was off his meds again and attaches a link in the text. Of course I raised an eyebrow to the comment thinking, oh, now you tell me. The following link showed a mugshot and a description of his nightly activity to include stealing from a turkey hill, threatening cops that he'll shoot him, punching one of them, and... Previous to all this, said earlier in the night when he dropped his pants, rubbed himself against a window, and then ran around the town square yelling. I never did see him again, just his family coming in and moving his shit. So to this asshole, and off his meds rude neighbor, let's not meet again. Oh, beautiful. She provided a link. Let's see. Oh, man. Definitely greasy looking. 
Elizabethtown man charged after assaulting and threatening to shoot police officers. <laughs> an Elizabethtown man has been charged after assaulting and threatening police during an incident last month in the borough. I'm not going to say his name, but he was 28 of an address, is awaiting arraignment on charges of aggravated assault, terroristic threats, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct, retail theft, and scattering rubbish. Police said he is currently currently in a patient in a medical facility and will go before a judge upon his release. According to the charging documents, police came in contact with this guy after responding to reported retail theft around 4.30 p.m. Wow. That is interesting. It is just like she said. Interesting. This next one is called, I think a man has been watching me, and tonight I met him. I hope this story belongs here. I currently live in an RV in my mom's driveway. Oh my god. My town is just larger than small, and it's relatively safe. Lots of rich people, doctors live here, so it's kept nice and the crime is somewhat low. I never expected something to happen to me, but tonight I met a man. And he was a reminder to me to always lock my door. Dude, you live in an RV, man. It's a tin can. You cut it open if you want to. Sometimes I forget to lock my door, even while sleeping, and it's never been a big deal to me because my town, like I said, is generally safe. But I'll be locking my door from now on. It was 2 a.m., and I took my garbage outside to the bin. When I turned around, I noticed a figure in the dark walking towards me. I started to quickly walk away, but he spoke to me. He was a short man, probably in his 50s or 60s. I'm 23 and female. He started talking to me about my living in the RV, and I took charge of the conversation and shut it down quickly. He told me what house he lives in and his name. He was being polite, but in a creepy way. I'm sure nearly every woman gets what I mean. That older man kind of creepy that's too polite to you because you're a pretty young woman. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. Thank you. He told me I should come by his house sometime, and I'm like, yeah, sure, maybe one day. Have a good night, and I walked back to my RV and locked the door. I figured that he would have left, but he didn't. I don't have a curtain on my window right now, and I could hear him pacing outside my window and mumbling to himself. I was just hiding, but I wanted to lock the door by my bed. It doesn't open at all anyway, but I decided to lock it regardless. I got up. And I looked outside and he was staring right at me. He was waving his hand at me to get my attention, walking right up to my window and acting erratic. It was different from any other guy I had just met. I locked my door and he watched me, and after that he left my window. I felt like he was still there, but five or so minutes passed and then there's a knocking at my RV door. I don't know if he tried to get in or not, it's a flip handle so I can't hear it or anything. I just waited there silently for an hour before I grabbed a knife and ran into my mom's house. I'm definitely getting a taser and a gun. Why don't you spend that money on a fucking apartment? I think he'd, he'd been standing across the street watching me. There's no reason for, for him to have been just outside of my RV at 2 a.m. I think he's been watching me too. People shouldn't really know that I live in the RV. Walking down the street, that's not something I take notice of. I've only even started to pay attention to RVs and driveways since I started living in one. And still, I don't notice if people actually are living in them or not. Maybe I'm just being naive, but it makes me wonder if he's been watching me, seeing that I live in the RV day after day. I don't go outside of my RV, I'm a homebody. So he'd have been staring into my RV to really even notice somebody actually living in it. It terrifies me. I was so afraid of his intentions, he makes me realize that even though I'm in a safe town, I'm still a young, pretty woman. I'm a target on men's lists. It sucks. This is our world. It sucks that there's men's, uh, men out there who are like this towards women. It does indeed suck. However, like I've always said, I advocate for women to take care of themselves. I adv advocate for people to take care of themselves and not put themselves in situations like this. You're living in an RV, parked in a driveway. RVs are made of aluminum. You can cut aluminum with scissors. Do the math. Come on, man. Jesus Christ. And on that charming note, guys, I want to thank you all for tuning back in. I know it's been kind of a long time since I've done an episode, but I recently upgraded the windows in the area where I record to hopefully muffle sound better. 
I also upgraded nearly every piece of equipment that I've used to record over the last few years because they were wearing out or not cutting the mustard anymore. So of course there is a bit of a learning curve and a lot of time spent learning how to use them. So if there's any clarity issues on this episode, please don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram. My user handle is DukeLandis17, that is D-U-K-E Landis, L-A-N-D-I-S-1-7. Uh, I think the clarity should continue only to improve from this point forward, hopefully. Let me know if there's any issues, like I said, but thank you guys for listening. I genuinely appreciate it. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the messages. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can do so. Instagram's the easiest way, and that is, once again, DukeLandis17 on Instagram.com. Please don't hesitate to reach out. I will get back to you when I can. It may take some time, but I'll get back to you eventually. Thank you guys very much for listening, and until next time, stay spooky. I wanted that heat so bad I could taste the fire on your breath. And I wanted in your storm so bad I could taste the lightning on your breath. I watched you hold the sun in your So